Hello, well, I have a very special guest today. You might know him. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. And today we'll be chatting about all things paranormal with yours truly. Let me hear a round of applause with Carl Beatty. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it's me. I'm here. Welcome to another Paranormal Activity episode. And as always, we'll kick things off with this week's fact or fiction. So listen right at the end of the show for the answer. So here it is. In Irish folklore, the fairies drove the Celtic tribe out of Ireland. In Irish folklore, the fairies drove the Celtic tribe out of Ireland. Is this fact or fiction? Find out at the end of the show. Now, as I said right at the very beginning, we have a beautiful special guest. And of course, it is Carl Beatty, welcome. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. And thank you for inviting me from the kitchen to your office. <laughs> it's very lovely to have you on the show because lots of people are writing in and go, Hi, Yvette and Carl. Hi, Yvette. And they're coming to see us in the theatre tour. They meet both of us when we do Most Haunted Experience. And so we're always together doing these things, aren't we? So it's really nice for us to sit and, and chat about what we've been up to together. Do you know what? Aren't you bored of me yet? Because we're never apart. I know, isn't that lovely? I'm like a, I'm like a ghost that haunts you and never leaves. <laughs> 25 years we've been married, 25 yeah. years this year, so it's very exciting. But um, there was one thing, we, all, we always talk about cases, especially when we're on the road doing our theatre tour, because we've got plenty of time and hours, miles uh, of uh, journeying to while the, uh, the time away. And we talk about all sorts of things, particularly the paranormal. And one of them, I was absolutely fascinated with a story that you told me and I wanted you to share it with the Paranormal Activity listeners. So go on. Thomas Bedworth. Thomas Bedworth story. story. Go on. This was a man that murdered a girlfriend and she haunted him. And so he gave himself up knowing he would be executed. And I know there's lots of people there who will sit there and say, you know, ghosts don't exist, all these sort of closed-minded people. And you think, if that were the case... No one would knowingly give themselves up knowing they were going to be hanged if it wasn't true what they had experienced. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Surely. I mean, that's just kind of common sense. Do you want to give me a little... Yes. Shall I give you a bit of background? Please do. Go for it. I won't go into too much detail because it is quite a lengthy thing, but Thomas Bedworth was born in 1764 in Staffordshire. It was stated in the court transcripts, and I love the wording of these court transcripts of the day, because we're talking of um, he was hanged in 1815. He successfully opposed every attempt that was made to furnish him with the knowledge of good and evil. 
he basically said he, was, he he'd never listened to anyone. But what a great way of saying it. Yeah. In the 1790s, he was working in London. He was married to his, I was going to say first wife, but his only wife, Mary. Uh, he was quite restless. He, he then sort of, kind of walked off and joined the army for a bit, came back. They left the army in 1803. By this time, he had three children. So they were kind of a, okay. a family unit, but he tried to get permanent employment. He couldn't, so he just joined the Navy. Right. But this time he was off. He joined from 1804. He wasn't discharged until 1813. Now, to give you some context, 1804, when he joined the Navy, was just a year before the Battle of Trafalgar. Mm-hmm. So you think, yeah, one of the biggest naval battles, what well, it was at the time, ever assembled. That was a year before he joined. So he, he would have been involved in a lot of right. preparation for that, not necessarily the actual battle. But when he came back and he was discharged in 1813, he um, he found out his wife had decided that she wanted to be with somebody else. She was living with someone else and they had three children with this new guy. She was busy then, wasn't she? A busy lady. Yeah. But what you think of is in those days, you think, oh, now we have all of chemicals and we have stuff to, to numb and, and, and help with birth. You take at the beginning of the 1800s, it must have been absolute, I mean, it's painful now, but you imagine what it must have been like with no anaesthetics, no... No, dear God. Giving birth to all those children. You thought they'd give one and have no, have no more. Anyway, that's beside the point. He moved on with his life and he started a relationship with a lady called Elizabeth Beesmore. Strangely enough, this was actually his wife's sister. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. You see all these reality shows now on television and think, oh, I wonder if they did that then. Back then it was it yeah, worse wow. than it. But she was also already married. Sorry, so she was having an affair with Thomas. Thomas. Right. She basically left her husband, moved in with Thomas, and they were together. Her husband fell on hard times. She was kind of helping, and he moved back into the house, so she would help her husband. Thomas got very jealous of this, left the house, started to drink a lot. I mean, drank a lot anyway, but he started to drink even more. I'll I'll move this. Mm -hmm. He went to her house because he had moved out and he went back because he, he, he still wanted to be with her, but he was very jealous. He was very drunk. He stayed the night. And in the morning, he said, I need to talk to you before I leave. Uh, just before he left, they spoke in the kitchen on their own. Now, can I just read this little bit? Yeah, they, yeah. They've read it. They've written it. It's, it's... The unhappy woman, however, broke the pause by clasping her right arm around his neck and embracing him. At the same time, saying with much agitation oh my dear oh my dear Bedworth these were her last words they were uttered in the last minute of her life she kissed him this is what I find I love the, the, the way they write these things she kissed him during his conflict between jealousy passion and strong affection his injured regard to her perfidy what a great word rushed upon his mind her deceptive embrace maddened him while her kiss was still warm upon his cheek he suddenly drew the knife from his right-hand pocket. And as he supported her head with his left arm, by one rapid, determined cut across her throat, nearly severed her head from her body. She fell lifeless to the ground without a groan. He then goes kind of on the run. Mm-hmm. The first night, he, he this is in the morning, so he's gone. He's, he's, he, he, he tries to find a, a go into a field to get some sleep. And as he's trying to sleep, he sees a white shape approach him. It's Elizabeth. This is the very night mm-hmm. that he's killed her. And she says to him, Oh, Bedworth, Bedworth, what have you done? You have deprived me of all the happiness 
of dislike. He's obviously apoplectic with, with, with fear, mm. runs away. The next night, uh, he walked into uh, Smithfields and to sleep in one of the sheep pens, which apparently a lot of people did because it was warm. No sooner had he, st- he just got there, he looks up and there she was once again, just looking at him. She didn't speak at this point, she just looked at him. Again, he ran away as quickly as he possibly could and he found himself in Highgate Hill. Now, this is the bit where it seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger, this, this whole thing. He's in a Highgate Hill and as he's walking along, he suddenly sees her in front of him. She approaches him and then walks next to him mm-hmm. up the hill until they get to the, the top of the hill she takes his hand and she places it over her severed throat. Right. Groaning all the way. Oh, God. And with that, he, he, he left, couldn't take it anymore, ran away and then decided, I've got to give myself up. So he gave himself up. The whole, the whole case took an hour in court for him to be uh, executed. And there he was. He was taken to, and again, his uh, 18th of September, 1815, just three months after the Battle of Waterloo, where mm-hmm. Wellington defeated Napoleon. He was he was executed, and the last words of him that are on the court transcripts was when he stood on the gallows. Bear in mind, this would have been a public execution, so people would have been jeering and mm. shouting. And he just said, he directed his eyes imploringly toward heaven while the executioner made his fatal preparations. The ordinary, which would have been the, the priest, continued a few moments in prayer with him. And the awful signal being given, he was launched off in the act of fervent supplication. And he was dead. Can I just say, you said that it only took an hour from being in court to being executed. No, no, sorry, to, to being in court. The, the, the whole court, court process. Found guilty. Right. He was hanged on Monday, I believe. Mm. And so they would have usually given a weekend or a couple of days before him, but they were, they were hanged quite quickly. Right. From court. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, what would you do? Say, for instance, you murdered me. <laughs> you murdered me. No doubt in our marriage that happened times when you thought about it. Just fleetingly. No, maybe never. from others. <laughs> anyway. I've always felt myself privileged to actually stand next to oh, you. I can hear everybody at home going, uh, men going, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, and women actual, going, oh, it's so lovely. It is the actual truth. <laughs> men can go, oh, uh, but it's a But say, for instance... I don't know. We didn't like each other very much and all the rest of it. You find out I've been having an affair, you know, with Bob, again? With Bob Smith. <laughs> Bob Smith down in Sandbach. Oh, not Bob. <laughs> not Sandbach Bob. Sandbach Bob. <laughs> yeah, I've been having an affair with Sandbach Bob. You found out about it. And then one night in the kitchen, we had our final words. And then you just held me in your arms and then slipped my throat. Later, you, you know you write books, don't you? You can tell you're an author. You're just making a whole scenario up <laughs> here. But you've done exactly, and we copy exactly what happened to Thomas. And I haunted the crap out of you. I scared you to death. Would you put up with it? Or would you go, no, sorry, I need to own up to it and I need to die? What would you do? I would film it and make money out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the answer I was expecting. No, what I, would you do then? I mean, Seriously, would you? It, it, would you feel? Are you thing. that fright? Are people that frightened of ghosts and their hauntings and paranormal activity that if you are plagued by something that much and terrified by it, you would actually rather die than live with it? You asking me that question is strange. Asking any of us who do certainly do most haunted or anyone who does paranormal investigations, because most of them would say. Well, no, I wouldn't. I, I would want to continue seeing the ghost because you got proof, you would get more proof and you would bring other people in so that proof would be out there. I think if you're not used to going ghost hunting, then, yeah, I think it would be 
it would be scary because mm. you and I have experienced so much over the years of doing this show and doing even doing the stage shows we've experienced a lot of activity. Mm. Seeing something as scary as it is, that's what we do. Mm. And that's what we've already experienced on many of occasion. I think if you're not used to it, maybe some psychological stuff going on there where he could be so riddled with Rid- guilt. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he's seen her. It's the fact that on, on one of those things, he heard her moan first before he saw her. And I think that if you're not thinking of that thing mm. and you start hearing something, then I think that's more likely to be an apparition. That's more likely mm. to be a spirit. I think if you're thinking of something and then hearing it, that could, you could say it's the subconscious. I love the fact that it's actually written in the court papers mm. about this haunting, about this, all those years and years ago. I, I just think it's absolutely fascinating. So when you told me that story in the car, mm. I was really uh, absolutely enamoured with it, enamoured with the story because I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. I'd never, ever heard of that before. So thank you for sharing that with us. What are you thinking? That it's over, it's over 200 years old. Mm. It's 209 years old now. So you think... For people to actually, I know they were a bit more superstitious then than they are now. I think because there wasn't so much science around then, but for somebody to give themselves up knowing that they could or they would be executed, certainly in those, there was no question you were going to face the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Surely that's got some foundation to the fact that ghosts do exist. Yeah, absolutely. Which reminds me of another story that we really love that was made into a, a film. And of course, that's um, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Oh, I love that. And for those people who have never seen The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, it's a black and white movie starring Rex Harrison Harrison and Tierney. Oh, Oh, what's her first name now? That's going to annoy us now. We'll find it out. Uh, It's really annoying me when you can't think off the top of your head. I've actually got her autobiography. You've also Uh loved me. Jean. Jean Jean Tierney. Beautiful woman. Anyway, it was made in the 19... 40s, something like that, maybe. Black and white movie, absolutely gorgeous. All about this lovely lady and she, uh, um, her husband has died and her and her daughter, they sort of want to get away from her tyrannical uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law. So they move from London and they end up going to somewhere in Devon, I think it is, or Cornwall. Um, And they found this beautiful house. They want to rent a house and it's overlooking the sea. And oh my goodness. It's a quintessential perfect house. It's amazing. Absolutely beautiful. And she goes in there and she's shown around by the uh, estate agent. And of course, things start to happen while they're looking around. You know, the doors start slamming on their own and the, the, the moaning and the groaning and laughter is heard and... Uh, of a man and uh, the estate agent pulls Jean Turney out of the Mrs Muir out of the house and uh, she she looks at the house in wonder and she says it's haunted a haunted house how simply marvellous and she loves it and uh, even though she's urged by everybody not to to rent the house she does so her her housekeeper and a little girl move in there and it's just magnificent story because slowly but surely the ghost of an old sailor, an old ship captain, slowly but surely starts to make himself known to the family. And uh, it ends up with them both falling in love. Rather the opposite, you know, the story that you just said, um, this is a story of, of love and how she falls in love with this ghost and this ghost falls in love with her. And, they, and then it stays with her right up until she becomes an old lady. And then I won't tell you what happens just in case you've not seen it because I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. It, it, and do you know, that's a perfect way of describing it. It's a beautiful film. Yeah, it really is. So The Ghost and Mrs Muir is one for you. 
to get. Absolutely. And also another one, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, is Blythe Spirit. Most people have seen Blythe Spirit. Not the new, I haven't seen the new one. I watched a little bit of it. Oh, you did? And although, um, yeah, the actors are great actors and stuff, it, it just, it loses so much, a modern version of it. I, I suppose if you've not seen the original, because that means you haven't seen Margaret Rutherford. How could you not see uh, Margaret Rutherford in action? Uh, as, as the psychic. And I think, so the new one's all, if you've only just seen the new one, then that's all, that's I your foundation. You yeah, that's all yeah. you have. You have nothing to um, compare it against. But uh, I just felt it a bit flat. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And you know me, I thought, I bet they try and make it more spooky and scary so I can't watch it. I think I you should have you should have you should have played the part of the psychic, Miss <laughs> Margaret Rutherford's part because you, Madame Arcate. Madame Arcate, you would have been a great Madame Arcate, no? Yeah, I would have liked that too, but never mind. Hey, one day. I do you know what? I think it was ten years. I'm going to remake it. I was going to say, can we can we film it in the front room with <laughs> just me and you making it there? It's just a normal night. And uh, so tell us tell us a little bit about the the theatre shows that we've been doing and most haunted experiences just recently because we've had a break since Christmas. Um, but the theatre shows, again, we started back and we were at Guildford and we everybody had a little bit of a break. And to be honest with you, we were a little bit like, not with the theatre show itself, but that kind of, as everybody does at the beginning of a new year, oh, God, I've got to stop, I've got to work again, oh, no. And with us, with the theatre shows, it's getting in the car, it's travelling for hours upon hours, sitting in traffic jams. And then when you come home after the show, they've shut off the motorway network down, That's so it's di- diversions. So we weren't looking forward to that. But when you actually get to these theatres, I mean, you love it. I mean, we both love it, but I think you love it a little bit more than I do because you, your, your wonder at the, the actual theatre, and anybody goes on your social media, you'll see, you always take a picture of the empty oh, theatre. Yeah. What is it about for you being in those theatres before the audience gets gets there and the dressing rooms, the whole feel of it? What, what do you love about it so much? This, I've had that wonder since I was a kid with theatres. And I, I think it was, when I was a kid, I used to do um, a lot of acting and I used to do pantomimes and stuff. And my first ever time in a theatre was uh, the Ivanano in Guildford. Uh, I did Pie Piper Hamlin. And I had the most wonderful time just walking in there. And I was about seven or eight at the time. And it's just the feeling. And I've never lost that excitement about being in a theatre. And I think for me, it's even the rehearsal halls, it's the fact that every emotion you can possibly, possibly have has been experienced or expelled in that place. You've got success. You've got failure. You've got happy. You've got sad. You've got jealousy. You've got betrayal. You've got love. You have all of this... And the want and the need, this desperation to, for success, all of this stuff is in this, and you can sense it when you walk in. Um, and even if it's a new theatre, like where we went in Guildford, um, yeah, that the the G Live as it was 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 built on top of the um, old Civic Hall, which was a huge place for us growing up in Guildford. We had such a great time there, but you can even feel what was on there before. And even though that's a new build, you're there in the space of what was there and what was there before the the, the Civic Hall. But most of the theatres we go to, even some of the ones, you know, we've had some fantastic theatres and the people who run them have been brilliant. And we actually experienced some not particularly very nice areas in theatres. No, let's be honest, absolutely appalling. Well, one, we actually came out 
we, we were ill. We were really ill. Oh, we fault, let me tell you. Don't tell anybody. If you're listening to this, don't tell anybody, but we're going to share it. Don't say where it is. <laughs> Honestly, one dressing room was that bad that there were two sinks, oh, weren't there? There were two sinks, and whoever'd been there before us couldn't be bothered to go to the toilet, so they'd been weeing in the sink. The smell of urine was so bad. There was mould all under the floors was there, yeah. and all on the walls. And the next day, me and Carl were so sick. Oh, my God. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. So you never know what you're going to get. It's like it's like opening a box of chocolates, isn't it? <laughs> Laugh is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with a dressing room in the UK. No, but, even, but even but most of the ones we've, we've had, they, they've been... You, know, you just think of who's been in that dressing room before, who's... Um, I mean, we know who was in that dressing room. Somebody couldn't be bothered to go to the toilet. But what about the one where they, uh, where was it? Was it the Stockton Globe? I think it was. And I got so excited because they told me the beat. This is where the Beatles yes. uh, had been, and the dressing room above ours was where they had a photograph with all the press. And then they took because they knew I was pathetically hysterical when I found this out. So they were laughing at me. The the people at the theatre, they come on, we'll open up that dressing room for you when you can you can be in be in there and have a look around and that was just amazing and a lot of these places you'll look around and you'll see pictures of I don't know old stars and you know, Morecambe and Wise and you talk people will tread those boards and you know the Beatles and all these Rolling Stones all these amazing people and you think like all the energy that's there but we have had some really good paranormal activity yeah. whilst we've been doing the show um, and I will do a Ouija board on the stage with audience members and you and Stuart or you and Glenn or Greg will go backstage and you'll have your night vision camera. And uh, at the Guildford, we got knocking and everybody that you took from the audience, uh, volunteers, they could feel it under their feet, couldn't they? Yeah, it's one of the things when you get some really good activity, what you love is because you pick people out of an audience, you know, you don't know them. Mm. Whatever, but they're, they're, they're people and they don't know each other so they're all strangers so you have all these different energies there and sometimes not a lot happens but sometimes a lot happens and in Guildford we had this walking around us and the great thing was you know I tell everyone to put their torches on uh, which we did we we had it quite light at one point and you know what but it's not like you can look through doors and curtains wherever anything is and I always tell people to, to make sure you know no one else is there but the footsteps aren't there. The footsteps are around where we are. Mm. And at one point, it seemed like it circled us all and walked through the middle of us. Mm. And we were quite separated from each other. And it's the wonder on people's faces when they hear it for the first time. Because when they watch it on the television, they're only hearing it from one source, which is the speakers on the television. And they could be saying, oh, well, they put that in the sound effects. As I would. Yeah, of course. We all would, yeah, yeah. But when they're there hearing it and, you know, and then... You can have other times where you've got four people and they're all hearing it from different areas. Mm. Just does that mean that they're out there hearing their own paranormal activity themselves? It's all unique to a certain person. Because someone will say, oh, that's under my feet. And another person will say, no, 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 that's, that's on the wall. Another person will say, no, no, it's above us. Another person will say, no, it's below us. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? And I find that just fascinating. Mm. You you walk away with more questions than you do. Oh, answers. God. And that's what makes it so wonderful, isn't it? Because you keep going back. Now, this Saturday, you're doing a most haunted experience. Where are you? Uh, we're in another prison on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, about Shrewsbury. I mean, we do Shrewsbury quite a lot. I've got to say, I mean, my favourite prisons, I think the most haunted prisons in, in this country for me are Gloucester and Dorchester. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are owned by uh, development companies and they're just trying to get 
No, we don't. We've not met them made into hotels or flats. Which are, oh, my oh, God. I what the idea of that is. Socks was done, but... Hey, interrupting you, sorry. Uh, we met somebody, didn't they? They came on stage on Thursday with us on the theatre tour and they told us about Broadmoor, or they were in the audience asking yes. a question. Now, Broadmoor, that's a, that's, that's a place that would take the criminally insane, as they called them then. Yeah, but didn't Broadmoor, they? a lot of people don't Maximum security type place, wasn't it? Broadmoor was a hospital, not a prison. Ah, is that where I've got it wrong? No, no you're not going to write it. Uh, right, Because well. really, it is a prison. I yeah. Mean, they don't, you, know, you can't come walk in and out. So it is a, it's a maximum security uh, hospital. I mean, a lot of people spend a lot of time there. Um, but wouldn't you love to just do that? I mean, I would love to get into Broadmoor. And the pa- well, I mean, not as no, a uh, no, but it's it's empty now, isn't it? That's what this lady was saying. She was saying, "Would you go and investigate Broadmoor?" See, we need to look into this because not isn't this a lot of people go, "Oh my God, from a paranormal experience, that'd be absolutely amazing. I'd love to film it." But you see, for me, and that's right. But for me, I I think there'll be so many trapped souls there mm. that I want to go and help them, and yeah. and uh, off camera as well because I, because. Oh my gosh, there'll be so many tormented souls, not just in places like Broadmoor, but places all over the world where they've not been able to, they're still confused, they don't understand what's happened to them. And for some bizarre reason, because there are trapped, grounded souls, they're there. I mean, Auschwitz, for example, again, not to film, of course, or record or anything out of respect, but think of all those people, that spirits that might be trapped there, that need, that need helping. And that, to me, I think is something... Uh, for uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, people that do this kind of work like us, maybe we should be doing things like that to help spirits move on. I know, it's privately, not for gain, not for filming, no, nothing like that. Uh, yeah. Do, do you know what? I, I find it, you know, and it is a controversial issue going to lots of these places because, you know, a lot of people say it's too soon. It's, you know, mm. and we've had this sometimes in the past when mm. we've done Most Haunted when a, something's been picked up. We've had this on a Ouija board, a name's been picked out, but we've worked out who it is, and it's someone who only died That's 30 right. years ago. Yeah. And generally, you know, the channel would say, out of respect, you can't put that on, and we would agree. But then you, 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 what is the limit? What, what, what is the limit? Yeah, we, we, if, if a loved one dies, you want to contact them straight away. So just because you've got a television camera they're contacting them, does that mean that's. I don't know. Well, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But for me, somewhere like, somewhere that's had the most horrific things happen, me personally, I don't know, somewhere like the concentration camps in Europe, I, I think they should not have any any camps, no, I, any, anything like that. I, I agree with you. I'm, yeah. But I'm, I suppose I'm playing devil's advocate in a way. To, but, but for what? I can't even. I can't even actually bring myself to say the words. To be fair, I know. Because I, I, I wouldn't want to even go there. Because the, the, the absolute horror. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That none of us who are alive today, unless anyone experienced any of that, obviously, can understand the horror every second of every day yeah. that these people went through. The evil mm-hmm. that was heaped upon these people. And I you're a very feeling person, I, I and, and and so am I and I don't know if I could go through that knowing I'm standing in an area where yeah. this e absolute Evil took place. But isn't it our job as people that do know how to help spirits move on to the other side? Isn't it isn't it something we should think about doing privately, you know, for really trouble in troubled places? I would like to do that. I'd like to think I could possibly do that. And I think other people out there listening who go, Oh, do you know, I, I do that. I could I think we should be able to help. And move on. That's just my thought. It doesn't mean to say I'm right. It's just sometimes I think about those things and think, I want to do more. I want to help more. I want to be able to do that. You know? Do you know what? You raised a really good question, and I hope this will start a debate about it. <laughs> no, I do because, yeah, yeah I mean, there, there are some people who will obviously get very nasty, but you can't do that. You can't do it. Yeah, just take that away and, and, and look at the, the whole thing about everything. Like you say, if you can help something and, you know, there are the only people that will not agree with helping spirits are ones who don't believe they exist. Of course, and, yeah. and to be fair, no disrespect to them, I discount their opinion on mm-hmm. this because if they don't believe it, they don't. They haven't got the right for an opinion mm-hmm. on this. But for people who do believe in this, then they believe you can put troubled souls or let them go across. Mm-hmm. Then why wouldn't you want that to happen? Why wouldn't you want that's got to be a good thing, surely? Yeah. Now I remember when we were at Bishton Hall. And it was one of my favourite ones. We've done it before, haven't we, a few times. Mm-hmm. We were There was a door that was locked. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And we've been trying to get... Everyone tried it all day long to get in there. We were outside. We heard something knocking on the door, didn't we? And several member guests had tried to get in. They couldn't. And we heard some knocking from the door. We found it. It was a little child. You helped him go across. and Because apparently he'd been locked in that room. Mm-hmm. And as soon as this happened... Won't go through the whole process, but as soon as it happened, in front of a whole lot of people, one of them opened the door. They just opened the door and the door opened. And then there was a butterfly. A live butterfly. A live butterfly in that in, in that room. In the door in the bottom of on the floor in the, the room. Bizarre, wasn't it? it? Flew off. How wonderful. Now I know people were not coincidence. I'm sorry. There were lots of people tried that door. No one could get it. And you know, men and women. And none of them are weaklings. Mm. You know, they, they, they could all get in that door. And it was just literally a turn of the handle after that went. Yeah. 
that, that what you did with yeah. the spirit went went across the little boy and it opened mm. without any pressure whatsoever. It's not the it's not the the building warping and doors sticking. Yeah, my dad was a carpenter and joiner, and I know what that is like because I used to help him a lot. And I find that fascinating. So, in my opinion, yes, of course, you could send people across, and if that is the case for the better of, of their spiritual peace, mm. should we not be doing this everywhere that's had some terrible? Yeah. Uh, occurrence. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 as you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, we, we should, we should do that. But we've done it. We we did Debbie Asylum. We did, and we moved people yeah. across from that. So yeah. we have done that sort of yeah. where people's minds have been unbalanced. Yeah. So we, we we've done it with that, and I think that you should, yeah, why it should be expanded. Yeah, I'd like to do more, definitely, and encourage other people to do more as well. I think it's a it's a really good thing. Um, so so you've got uh, that on Saturday night, wonderful, and then we're off, aren't we? Again on Sunday, we're off on our theatre show. Um, we're in West Wickham on Sunday. We are. We are West Wickham, um, and um, that has been um, well. This has been a lovely, lovely chat. It's not like I haven't seen you, is it? I'm going to see you again in a minute when we finish. Oh, like coffee. And I'll have my soup for lunch. Oh, uh, I need to go and get some bread. Okay. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, will you come back in a month from the kitchen to my office in a month's time? If, if I don't get caught in traffic. Okay. <laughs> Carl Beatty, everybody. Thank you very much. Okay. Now let's get the answer to this week's fact or fiction to remind you it was in Irish folklore, the fairies drove the Celtic tribe out of Ireland. So what do you think? Carl's still here. What do you think it was, Carl? Fact or fiction? Um, Did the fairies drive the Celtic tribe out of Ireland? I'm I'm going to say facts because it just seems... But fairies driving Celtics? I mean, yeah, you don't mess with the Celtics. Ah, uh, well, they're uh, you're wrong. Oh. You're wrong. It's fiction. The opposite is true, but don't think the fairies were docile. When most people think of fairies, they might imagine sweet-winged creatures having tiny wands. But this is not how the Irish saw fairies. In folklore, the Tuatha Dé Danann are native inhabitants of Ireland. When the Celtic warriors arrived, they attacked the native group and won, driving the Tuatha Dé Danann underground. The Tuatha Dé Danann, how many times do I need to say this? They use their innate magic to become she, or what we in the modern era know as fairies. Tuatha Dé Danann, I'll never forget that. If you've enjoyed the show today, please get in touch with us and share your stories. Here's the email address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. I am on WhatsApp and you know I love to hear your uh, stories. Uh, Here is the number. It's 0759992737. We are on Instagram and the handle is at paranormalactivitypod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early now mr bd take us out remember remember oh let me get my glasses on oh things aren't always as they seem small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.